Hey y'all, Garen Fitzgerald here, director of Seminar, and I just wanted to point out a mistake I made in the commentary. I referred to New as a she. New is non-binary. I should have said they. So I want to apologize for that in advance, and uh, yeah, enjoy the commentary. Bye! Welcome, everybody, to the seminar commentary for episode 104, New Adventure. And today we've got uh, three writers with us instead of our seemingly usual four. Uh, we've got V.C. Morrison, writer of The Rappers. Hello! And we've got Cole Kozlov here, joining us from the magical world of the internets, writer of our first short, Ostinato. Hello! And we've got Dan Gorski, writer of Waterman is the Worst, our second short. Hi there. All right. Everybody knows whose voice is whose. This is great. Now we can start talking about insane things. Like, uh, how y'all doing? Groovy. <laughs> I am well. <laughs> nice. Well, that's much better than the uh, usual, like, I am freaking out because the world is ending. <laughs> Only so many times you can freak out about the world ending before it's just, you know, like, third day. This time. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, today, yeah. for you guys, it's Tuesday. For me, it is Wednesday. Hello, I'm Future Boy, director Garen Fitzgerald. <laughs> um, but yeah, as we roll through the opening credit music here, uh, VC, why don't we just start talking a little bit about the rappers? Uh, why don't you tell us what your thoughts were going into this, how you started integrating the different shorts into this, uh, this episode's arc? Oh, okay. Uh, let me think now. Uh, of course, I of course I wrote this uh, several months back, and I have to remember <laughs> that far back how I started integrating everything. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, to give you an out here, uh, and so our listeners know, these shorts generally get written about six to maybe eight months in advance of airing. So it's been quite a while since VCs had a look at this script. Remind me again with the first <laughs> the first short was ah okay. So in this episode, new is is uh, dealing with the offer to, yeah new is dealing with the offer of uh, teaching at a college to like share humanity's stories and culture with the alien races she's come across and she's quite nervous about it oh yes yes okay back to that all right yeah so all right 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 so uh, in this episode we are uh, getting new into the uh, new role. This is this is this is this is going to be a trial run of uh, of teaching a class, um, and I thought thought it would be cool to introduce a new character to be the uh, to be the uh, headmaster of the school that they're that they're that they're, that they're, that they're going to to uh, join. Right, Rectech Olun. And I thought, well, why don't we have the uh, new headmaster? Um, test new to see if they'll be a good teacher you know and, well it kind of went from there yeah i really loved how new was almost bushwhacked with this like i don't think she expected to be you know auditioning for a job at this point no no she did not because like you know the, the previous conversation with kate tellerin was like think about it think about it go get rested come back we'll talk about it later and then she shows up and she's like what is this bubbling tank thing is that a person? Is that human? Is, is that is that like an ascension being? Is this company? <laughs> it cracked me up, and 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 when I started working on it, the dynamic came across to me like Rectech Olun knew 
he was coming in to do this and knew did not know. And so I, I made him like extra haughty in terms of like uh, the sound effects and stuff like that. Yes, yes, good job. He, yes, he's supposed to be very, very haughty. He's supposed to sound absolutely just, you know, uh, annoyed that he that he that he actually has to uh, be here. You know. Yeah, yeah. But it, what was funny to me is when I did the sound design for him, I'm thinking like little tank. I didn't know if he had arms or not, so I was just like, nah, he doesn't have arms. Nope. He's got, like, a little camera that's focusing on everything. And I, I put him on, like, a Roomba kind of thing. Like, you can hear him, like, hovering around. Yeah, I like that bit. Yeah. Good. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, he is just, yeah, he's just a uh, a, 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 a green blob, basically, in, 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 in a tank. He is an amoeba, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Had a lot, of, a lot of fun with that in the second part, but um, and we will see more of him later, actually. Oh, actually, we're we're into the first short. I'm sorry. Oops. Yeah, yeah. And I, I couldn't hear very clearly. I've got the volume too low on my seminar episode. But we are into the first short, Ostinato, written by Cole Kozlov here. Uh, so let's just jump into that real quick, uh, Cole. Mm. Um, what inspired you to write this story? What was the thing that kicked your gears in motion? Uh, this story, and I had showed it to a couple folks before I had kicked it up to Tilly, and I think two of them said, this is Hamlet, right? Like, yes, yes, it is. It's the beginning of Hamlet. And that was what it was. Um, oh, my gosh. Down to the ghost walking around on the roof. Um, I was literally just like, Hamlet in space. What would that be like? And... Um, <laughs> And just sort of and sort of bagging on it, and the other that for I'm a Shakespeare nerd too, so um, trying to think about for me what happens after the end of Hamlet, like that last scene when Port Bros walks in and says, "What the hell happened here?" And there's dead bodies everywhere. Yeah, and Claudius's greed basically ends the country after the play. And I sort of said, all right, well, then let's keep going. What happens, what happens. Um, and it was in trying to find the sci-fi version of Ear Poison. Uh. That I, I, I go, oh, all right. Well, and then um, and just kind of taking that and making it, you know, I believe the brief was Twilight Zoney, which I've never thought I was very good at. So Ghost in Space is about as close as I could get. Oh, man, I, I totally missed the Hamlet reference, but then again, I'm not very well read on Shakespeare. But uh, now that you mention it, yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's why he's actually named Orson, because uh, Orson Scott Card, for whatever else, uh, wrote the book Hamlet's Father. I'm like, huh. all right, that works. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I was trying to, I, the, the closest I could get for Orson was, um, I remember this, this wave file I had on my first... Windows computer, and they had this thing called the Orson laugh, which was like this deep belly, like this deep evil belly laugh. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but well, I'm just doing sound. So you, you, you don't see a lot of Orsons anymore. Um, yeah, and I'm, that's, I don't know why. It's not like you know Orson Welles, you know, dropped nuclear bomb or anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe nobody wants to be compared to him anymore. They're like, he's too much of a, a personality. We can't do that to our child. 
<laughs> Orson Welles, Orson Scott Card, Orson Bean. That's pretty much all I got. Huh. Yeah, and like when I was reading the script initially, um, I loved the desolation and like this this wasteland of a planet, just like imagining it. And then you had in the, the early description, like, you know, wind sounds, rocks falling, footsteps coming over the hill. And uh, yeah, that, that was a neat set of images in my head as I sat down to do the sound design. But I have to say, and I do have a snip of my first draft of this, when I was thinking about um, uh, Dawkins is the AI, oh my gosh, I've totally forgotten. All right, Taylor, played by Lisa Michaud, is the uh, the explorer. Dawkins is played by Katie Milholland, who is the AI. And uh, the only name I got for the guy is Mr. Blackwood as Orson, who from line one in his audition, I was like, this is the guy. This is Orson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had talked about over email before. I said, when I first heard that first line, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what this sounded like in my head. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the inflection and everything. Was like, this dude really nailed it. And apparently is also the fashion connoisseur. I don't know. but Oh, yeah, the cloak. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, in, in my first draft for this, I was thinking like, okay, she's a space explorer, and the and the AI specifically um, references the rig when she's like, this rig doesn't have any cameras, so I can't see. And so my first draft, I tried putting um, Taylor in some kind of a mech suit, and uh, it was going okay in the first scene. And then I started running into difficulty as Orson showed up. But the biggest problem with that is I started thinking about the weight. And I was like, oh, man, this thing is pretty heavy, so it might uh, collapse through the roof of a wreck. So maybe I should just nix the, the mech suit. But if you guys want that clip, I'll send it out later. Oh, definitely. I want to hear that. I mean, my sort of, sorry, my sort of image of it was just that Dawkins was a series of microphones and sensors um, that arbitrarily do not have a camera because then there's not a whole chunk of the story. If there's a camera in there. Right, right. Um, yeah. Miracle tech. Trying to sort of convey that, like, yeah, technology itself in however many zillion years is better, but good cameras are still bigger than you'd expect. You know, you don't, you don't want the AI walking around a planet with, like, your, your rear view camera from your Sentra. Right, right, right. <laughs> and the other thing I thought, too, is that um, it ties in nicely with the hubris of humanity. It's like, our stuff is so cool, we don't need cameras. Or somebody just forgot to put a camera in, you know? Yeah. So I, I liked how it tied in with later parts of the story when Orson's like, humans never listen, they never learn, they're stupid. And, uh, and you, know. you know, the top of the sound design, when I first heard it, I was like, wow. Again, like, you, you write it, you're like listening to it in your head, and when I first hear it, this is a hundred times better than the you know, one wind chime sound I hear reading the dialogue. This the soundscape of it is is just fantastic. It really, it, you can almost see it. It's it's very cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, th this one was a lot of fun to work on too because I figured there were two main points of view. Um, most of it is through Taylor, so like her voice is centered and. I was playing around with this one um, plugin called Gear VR, which is supposed to be able to do like. Um, HRTF spatial placement, so like 3D audio. And so for her voice, I put it, you can set like elevation. So I set it a little bit lower 
and um, wide pan trying to mimic what we sound like to ourselves. Not sure how accurate I got on that one for um, Lisa Michaud. I'll have to ask her later. Oh, that's an idea. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing is when Orson starts going through his history lessons, um, I put him in the center. Um, and I always kept uh, Dawkins off on the right side because I thought that maybe if I switched sides, that would be a little awkward. And then I put um, Taylor on the left for those sequences. But those were a lot of fun, the memory sequences. Because I was, I was watching, um, what is it, the, the League of Legends animation on Netflix now? Um, I forget the name of it. But uh, I, I was going for a feel like that, like kind of castles with high tech and like energy and sort of magical feels to it. And um, yeah, I had a lot of fun putting that together. Yeah, listening to it on headphones, the way Dawkins is always sort of just like the devil on your shoulder. Yeah. With that, that, that sort of spatial thing, even in my AirPods, that you could, this, it felt like the sound was coming from one very specific place, and that was really cool. Yeah, I just knocked Dawkins, uh, what is it? I have a range of zero to 100 in terms of panning um, from center to side, and I put her at 70 on the right. Because I thought, well, if there's somebody who's listening or who's hard of hearing in one ear, I still want it to come in on the other a little bit. But yeah, like initially I wanted to put it all the way to the right. So it's like coming in your earbud. But uh, yeah, I made a, a little bit of an adjustment. But um, so let me think. Um, how did you come up with the idea for the... I mean, you said this is based off of Hamlet, but... Um, like the song, uh, kind of like a mimetic virus. Um, how did you come up with the idea of having all the AIs spread it to each other and become homicidal? Um, Instead of, because like humans just die from it, but it may, like you decided to make AIs go crazy from it. How, how did you come up with that distinction? So when I was doing sort of the early world building stuff in my head, um, my image of what the shadows came from was mostly from um, Ix in Dune, this sort of highly stratified, incredibly technocratic society that basically just exists to make and sell horrifying technology. Um, and because I'm a huge Dune nerd, I remember that there was a whole thing that, you know, a zillion years before Herbert's books that the the AI machines had, I mean, the French was gelled circuitry brains. And I'm like, well, yeah, an AI's brain wouldn't be, you know, a pile of goo. It would be something technological. And um, so much of it still came from the ear poison thing, which in real life has never been satisfactorily explained to me how you poison somebody in their ear. But um, the idea that, you know, of course, these things we create. Um, are going to be as like us as we can make them. But with that, with not one, but something that makes them both more and less than human. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, this thing that kills a human doesn't kill you, but it just does something much, much worse than that. <laughs> um, it's, it's again, the, 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 the human hubris. You know, I remember learning that word in high school English. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is, this is like every great story ever. It just eventually comes down to this. 
and you know that that eventually in some way we're going to be our own downfall yeah that's pretty on the nose <laughs> I've, been, I've been reading jeff vandermeer the last week and so i'm stuck in this like climate change apocalyptic rut aren't we all yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, because when I when I was uh, thinking about what the motivation behind that choice might have been, I was thinking like, okay, so what if it is power of will? Like for humans who hear it, they're given like it's almost gives them a choice, like destroy everything around you or cease to exist. And I felt like maybe humans, when faced with that choice, were like, I can't destroy everything around me, and so they just died. Um, but then with the AIs. Perhaps because it took so much longer to push its way into their into control, um, the choice was explained to them gradually, and they could process it faster. And so maybe they came to some kind of justification that allowed them to say, "Okay, I will destroy the humans. I will destroy this world, um, and I will stay alive as long as possible." And uh, yeah, I was thinking, like, does it come down to the, the difference between having, like, what we call a soul or not, or never having been organic? Like, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a fun thing to play with in my own head as I was working on the episode. It, it definitely comes down to, um, there's a thing that AI researchers literally call the Terminator problem um, about will AIs eventually decide that we are not worth the trouble? And there, that's always in the back of my head whenever I'm trying to write about you know, basically artificial people. Um, I read that in like college somewhere that this is a real thing. And and said, if we make intelligent, you know, machines or programs or whatever, yeah. If if it's if if you present them with a choice of, you know, what's the line from a robot? A robot's brain is a difference engine. And if it says, well, one choice has X percent chance of being successful, the other one has slightly more than X the machine's going to go with the one that's slightly more likely every time and uh, watching what we do. And yeah, let's, we're, 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 any self-respecting machine would probably decide that humans are a plague. Yeah. Incorrectly, but it would probably still decide that. I could see that. And uh, last words as the episode is wrapping up, um, what made you choose the song that the characters sing? Uh, I knew I had to have a song in the public domain. Um, which I know a bunch of. And then when I started searching, uh, I came across Burn in a Gilded Cage. And I was like, this is, this is just too perfect. Nice. Um, the lyrics, the story. Um, sort of that's what Orson is. He's stuck in this amazing place that he made and is now terrible forever. All right. Well, thank you very much for writing that short and sending it in to us because it was a lot of fun to work on. No, thank you. And uh, with that, we are now into the second part of the wrapper where... Rectecho Loon yes. starts to grill new like nobody's business. <laughs> so was this really fun to write for you, VC? Oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 I had to think, think, think back to my, to my, to my days as, uh, as an English major <laughs> in college, and, 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 and then an English minor. <laughs> Changed over into uh, with 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 with. with, with well, it's with computer science, but yeah. Um, and one, 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 one of the things New says here uh, isn't, 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 
isn't it's actually a thing. I just make make it up, make it uh, sound sarcastic. The uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, grammatic license thing, just something 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 I I made up, and until until he was like, I, I, I don't think that's a thing. Like, yeah, no, it's not. It's not supposed to be. Yeah. But, um, anyway. And also a bit here where, where New just kind of loses it. Mm. Um, that's part of a um, part of a reflection of both of their uh, sides, you know, part human, part uh, alien. So sometimes some bits come out, you know. So yeah, New came, came very angry there. I really liked that part, actually. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like that part a lot because I felt like um, New's human side, uh, what was the character's name initially? I've suddenly forgotten. It was Alex Alice. Um, I felt Alice was usually kind of mousy, like she would kind of just go with the flow until she'd had enough. And I felt like Alex was a firebrand. And so I felt like the two came together in that moment right. and were standing up for everything that, well, that Alice loved and Alex in the end tried to understand and i really loved how that moment came together and when i heard the music track that i put under that i was like this is perfect it's like this rushing like blood flowing and wonder and then it peters out just as she makes this horrible insult to rect echo Karen, you blobby alien short <laughs> the short Karen. oh we're in the short okay thank you because i can't hear it very well yes the short not the long, the short, which is <laughs> Waterman is the Worst by Dan Gorski. Thank you very much, VC. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, um, I don't know. When I first read this script, I heard, like, 1940s superhero action. Um, but for you, what was the uh, what was the main motivator to get this one out? Like, what what uh, got you going? Yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, in there. Um, you know, I always start my scenes and my stories with something that I want to sort of explore about myself or about, you know, people I know. In this case, uh, I was working a job and I was being called all the time. And I was like getting so <laughs> angry that people kept calling me <laughs> to do simple things that they could do themselves. And, you know, a part of that was like, you know, I'm making fun of myself. Like it was such a ridiculous thing that didn't really matter that much. Like, why am I getting so angry about it but then i that's why i thought oh, i'll make fun of myself by someone who actually should be caring about what they do and so that's kind of how i got the idea like well what if a superhero was like that where he was just got tired and he didn't want to deal with it so that's kind of how it it all started nice and, and do you mind if i ask uh, what that job was uh sure yeah no problem um i was uh, actually running events at a theater in los angeles which is a pretty big theater and um, so there was, especially, especially during like award season, like there's always stuff going on there. And uh, it, it, you know, it was almost nonstop, felt nonstop for a while, for several months. And, and you know, there's always a moment during those months where you're just kind of like, ah, oh, I need a break. And uh, there's just no time for a break. So, yeah. Oh, man. So people were calling up and like, can you get me the key card? I forgot my key card at home. Uh, can you send this email to the caterer? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like or like, uh, hey, uh, there's people here like, yeah, I know they're lining up to see a movie like I can't I can't do anything about that. They're supposed to be there. Like, yeah, thanks for the update. I'm getting into it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like 
Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah. You should join Waterman and tell him where the fires are. <laughs> oh, fire! Thank you. <laughs> oh, but man, the interactions between Waterman and his mother at the end cracked me up. Yeah. Like, especially the way that you introduced it, because, like, in their opening lines, it sounds like they're nemeses and they're about to fight. And he's like, I will not pity you. And I imagined, like, this arch villain pinned by a burning beam or something. <laughs> and then it's his mom. And she's just like, you loser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, uh, you know, I have to credit Tilly with that because um, this sketch was uh, pretty simple at first. And I got some really fantastic notes that brought that whole piece out that I would not have had that in there. And I really love that about about the about the scene actually going that direction because I felt like he needed something to really sort of challenge him, you know, to take him down a level. And so why not draw from my own personal experience with my mother? Oh no, <laughs> you know. So yeah, like you know, where like she'll complain about not you know having a ride to the doctor, but then I, you got to call me and tell me you're going to the doctor. And she's like, oh, I don't want to bother you. Well, here we are. That's the end of that. <laughs> so, oh no! I always try and bring in you know pieces from my personal life. Sometimes it's a little bit too much, but um, you know, it's you, you have to kind of delve into it sometimes. <laughs> no, I, th- I thought it was great, especially since she ended up inside the burning building, and it kind of left that question like. Did his mom start the fire to get his attention? <laughs> oh wow! I didn't think that. <laughs> oh, that was absolutely. Oh, was she at the yeah. bank two days ago and pissed? She had to take the bus. <laughs> oh wow! I gotta, I gotta do a quick little rewrite there. <laughs> that is rich. I love that. Actually, I, I wish I thought of that. That would be great. That's fantastic. I'd say if you ever want to rewrite and make a, a longer, like, full episode or even a, a full arc of this, like a full uh, series, contact me. I would love to work on it. Right, right, yeah. There's so many dark places you can go with family, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, and what he said, when, when um, yeah, I should I should go through the cast here. So we've got Janani Srinivasan. As uh, Shinavasan as as mother and Matt Armstrong as Waterman. Oh my God, Matt, and I say this in in the, in the kindest way, is so Canadian that <laughs> when I heard his superhero rendition, it was so polite and so yeah. nice, and I was like, "This yeah. is perfect, yeah. so perfect." Yeah, he- because like. And when he did his superhero voice as he came out and he's all like, I'm, I'm a big bad man. And I was like, yeah, this is great. This is so good. Because, uh, like, yeah. he goes from being kind of whiny in the beginning. And I put, like, little wet sneaker sounds for his footsteps in there. Right, right. Um, to, to kind of a, like a, you know, sort of a badass as he comes out to fight the fire and apologize for being a jerk. Um, to completely breaking down when he faces his mother. And and I just love that the worst insult he can come up with as he storms out of the room is, go to hell! (laughs) It just somehow fit the script so well to have a very Canadian actor as, uh, as Waterman. Yeah, it really, it really worked. All the, all the voice actors really did a great job with this. Uh, It's, it's always great to hear the words come out and the characters come alive that way. Right, right. And and just to round out the cast, we had Russ Gold as the commissioner and Sarah Palmero as Sally. And um, 
Actually, I'm sorry, I, I gotta cut this one short because we are deep into the third wrapper now. <laughs> and uh, I should jump over there. But thanks so much for writing that, Dan, and yeah, sending sure. it in. It was a lot of fun to work on, too. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to do a full series, I think we, I think you got some great stuff in there to work with because uh, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> the mom reveal at the end would be just genius. But um, okay, so VC, yeah. third wrapper. We've now got new taking control of the class. And, um, man, you had some really great moments in there when New is like, class! And and I just imagined everybody just, like, sitting up a little bit straighter in their seats all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think the, but I think for you, uh, what was what was the... Uh, oh, no, for you, what was the best part? Yeah, you're, you're right on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, for me, the uh, best best part best part was best part was best part was analyzing the story. Um, because uh, one 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 of one one of the things I tend to do when I uh, read or watch a, a superhero story is imagine how else that power could be used. Like if they were not a hero, what could they do with that? You know, and Waterman is a great example of like. Wow, you could you could you could, you could, you could, bring, you could bring water to a uh, desert or something, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I so I so I so I so I enjoy uh, think, uh, think, uh, think, uh, thinking thinking about thinking about stuff like that. Uh, another thing is that there is definitely a history here between Olun and and uh, Gatellerman, you know, um, and, that, and, that, and, that, and that comes out and that comes out of it here. You know, I'm I'm not sure if it was very audible or if people understood what they're hearing when it happened but when Rectech asks about Kate Tellerin's mother um, I put kind of like an embarrassed burble in there like maybe oh, he's got a crush on her nice <laughs> I thought that would be a funny twist yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah it's real it's real low in the mix there because I didn't want it to overpower the um, the conversation as it was happening but the way that um, uh, Eric Gray who plays Rectech Olun delivered that line like how is madame cloroti I, I just could imagine Rectech being like oh man she's so hot <laughs> and, and with them in a classroom setting too i thought maybe they'd regress a little bit into like a more relaxed demeanor and uh yeah but i really loved uh bailey wolf as kate teller and like railing about her mother like what was that Riller pellin's renewal day how'd you come up with that name uh, i was trying i was trying i was trying i was trying, I was trying. Trying to, to trying to think think to think of, hmm. I was trying to think of an analog for like a, a a Christmas holiday or something. So it was just some kind of some kind of renewal, you know. So, yeah. Uh, well, you know, we got it. We got a Chekhov's gun situation here. You've mentioned the holiday. The characters are going to have to celebrate it at some point. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> but. Uh, Something our Christmas special. Yeah. That would be fun. Have Kate Teller and face off with her mother. <laughs> Rectech, Rectech hanging under the alien mistletoe. Like, oh, Miss Kellerotti. <laughs> Why don't you bring your limbs over here, baby? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, so we get to the point here where New realizes. Yeah, she's becoming a professor. Yeah, that was funny. But something I wanted to mention, too, is like while they were analyzing the story, at first they were getting kind of like personal. Yes. And I liked how uncomfortable the delivery got from Eric Gray as Rectech Olun and Bailey Wolf. Like when she was like, oh, yeah, you should put out the fire, too. I'm sorry. But um, 
when they start talking about terraforming a, a, a desert, and New is like, but that'd be destroy an ecosystem. I felt like she got kind of a dark vibe off of these aliens that she's found herself with. Like, wait, what kind of people are these? Right. Like, yeah. Would they destroy a planet for their own gain? They're not human, you know. They have, they have, a, they have, a, they have, a, they have a completely different set of set of uh, ethics and morals, you know. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun to explore those. I think this, this is something I hope to explore in the future. Yeah, definitely. Nice. All right. With that, we are at the end of the episode. So here we go, rolling into the credits. Let me just ask you all, who's got anything to plug? <laughs> the usual crickets. Every time I ask this, everybody's like, uh, oh, I, I, do, uh, uh, I don't, what? Yeah, no. Public facing things? Oh, God. No, I'm the same way. <laughs> Anytime anybody asks me what I'm doing, I'm like, uh, I'm doing things. <laughs> well, I, I guess I could. I could uh, bring up my. I have a. I have a website, dangorski.com, where I you can sign up for a newsletter, and I do stories once a month. Cool. Um, and I'm working on a, my own podcast eventually uh, that I'm going to produce soon. Nice, excellent. Yeah, and uh, for however little I do it, I can be found on Twitter at Cole Kozlov, one word. And that's K O Z L O V, right? Cole likes coleslaw. Yes. C O L E. Yes. K O Z L O V. Yep. Yeah, spelling it probably would have been a good idea with the K and the Z and the V and everything. But, but yeah, no, it's, I, well, it's spelled out for you. Try, I try to avoid the things that make Twitter awful. So you don't tweet? Not as much as you think. Okay. <laughs> I, I make Twitter horrible every day. And I'm proud of it. I try to leave it a little worse than I found it. On, on Twitter, that, that's that's the tough ask, making Twitter worse than you found it. <laughs> We all must aspire to greatness in some way. Is that what I'm doing wrong? (laughs) Well, on that note, I think we've run out of road. So uh, let me just thank you all for coming in and taking part in this and writing writing the scripts that you all took the time to write. And uh, yeah, say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.